Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. I'm excited to, um, to be right slap bang in the middle of this series, Love Does. Um, you enjoyed it so far? Yeah. Enjoyed the messages? Yeah. It's been great. Um, honestly, I do encourage you. Nicholas said about buying the book, but honestly, it is such a funny book to read. Really, really easy to read. Um, you'll, know, you'll all know Bob Goff now, the videos that we've been playing. Um, he's just so funny, and uh, he's lived an incredible life. Um, and so, really easy book to read, but incredibly inspiring. So, I'd encourage you to get that uh, at the end of the service. Um, now, today, I'd just like to start by um, reminding everyone of two dates that are Really, were really important to me. They're probably two of the most important dates in my life. Um, and those dates were the 27th of August, um, 2017. That was a very important date for me. And then about two and a half weeks later, three weeks later, the 15th of September, 2017. Now, some of you may know the significance of those dates, some of you may not. So for everyone that doesn't, I'll just explain. Those dates were so significant for me because they, they kind of marked a big change in Josh's life. I'm Josh, by the way, nice to, uh, in case you didn't know, um, so I'm, I'm the youth pastor here, and, uh, and yeah, and on those, and in that year, between those three weeks, um, that was a big change, because I went from being a, a single man um, to being a wonderfully married man, um, and I've got the most, yeah, it is incredible, I've got, um, I've got the most wonderful wife, uh, is Damalola, and she's, she's sat right here. Um, and she said in the first service, she was like, I felt like a spotlight was on me. Why did you do that? So I'm just doing it again. So, hey, Dan. <laughs> You're there, which is cool. Um, but just, so just to give you an idea, because some of you might even be like, well, why were there two dates? Well, on the 27th, we had our, what was our traditional um, engagement. Because I'm, I'm, you know, born and bred Milton Keynes, um, and, and Dami has Nigerian heritage. And so we had this incredible day where my family and all of my family and, you know, close relatives and Damalola's family kind of came together to publicly show their support for us both to just celebrate with us um, and just to kind of like, you know, really tie the knot, not as uh, me and Dami, but really as families to say, actually, we're coming together. We want to support these guys. And, and we just had the best time. We had an incredible time. Um, we partied and we celebrated hard. If you were there, you would have known. It was, it was great. Such a good time. Um, so then three weeks later, we then stood and we were stood literally right here, um, right here at the front as my old youth pastor, a guy called Sean, married us. And we both, again, kind of like looked into each other's eyes this time and we committed to each other, saying that we were going to love each other, we were going to care for each other, we were going to stick by one another for as long as we live. And we got these rings, and that's what these rings signify. They signify that love that we have for each other, that we're never going to depart from each other, we're going we're to care for each other forever. And they were, they were incredibly meaningful days. And so even like from there, we went from there, we went and we had some great food and we're friends and family. Again, we celebrated and we partied hard. We had a good time because we just wanted to make so much of this event. We weren't just having a party for party's sake, but it was, it was our love for each other that was the core of these two incredible days. And it didn't matter the cost. It didn't matter kind of like, you know, the prep work that went in because we were doing it because we loved each other and we just wanted to celebrate and, and you know, just express that and have this incredible time. If you've been married, you'd know that same feeling of how, how special those days are where you can just express how much you mean and how much somebody means to you. And that's all you want to do. 
And so from that day on, like, honestly, you know, through both big gestures and, and small things, um, you know, I'm reminded constantly of Damalola's love for me. You know, even in like, even whether that's like ironing my shirts, um, you know, she actually, in between the first seven and this service, she took this and washed it for me. It's really nice. Like, it's lovely of me. Honestly, it's just so, so good. So even like the, you know, the small things, like whether that's making me my favorite meal or just, the, you know, every little word and action, um, you know, it communicates love. It communicates love. And that's why she does it. Loves at her heart for me. And so then everything that spurs on from that to me, I know is coming from that place of love. Now, again, if you've been married, maybe you know that sometimes we can maybe get to a place where we start to take things like that for granted, right? But when we stop and we tune in and we realize, again, remind ourselves, actually, like, this is love that's driving her to do this. This is love that's, that's connecting us together, love that is tying us together. I see it in every word and act that she does. And so you see, love is a powerful, powerful thing. And when you're caught up in love and when love is in you and it's directing your actions, you're willing to do things that you may not normally do because you've got love that's driving you to do it. You know, or things that might seem strange or weird. But when love is the motivation, and we're going to come on to this later, when love is the motivation, when love is the reason, actions and actions that come from that take whole new meaning when we know that love is what's motivating those actions, it changes the way that we view those. And so this meaning, I'll briefly want to talk about this word, love. Um, love that even for many of you here, uh, this love of God that, that will have captured your heart at some point in your life. Love that is so powerful that it motivates and ultimately it's love that moves the God of the universe who made everything to come and to invade our lives. And it's love that does that. It's love that motivates him, motivated God to do that. To do something that to the watching world would seem reckless, would seem stupid, would seem crazy. But when we see that love is at the heart, all of a sudden those actions take on new meaning and we can begin to understand reasons why. And so Jesus told lots of stories to communicate messages. Um, and so I'm just going to talk about one of the stories that Jesus, commu- uh, Jesus told. And many of you would have heard this before. So we're going to spend just a few minutes in this. So if you've brought, if you've brought your Bible with you today, um, then I'd encourage you to open up to Luke 15. Uh, that's where we're going to be. If you've got a pen with you as well, feel free to take that out because as we're reading it, bits might stick out to you that you kind of want to underline or you want to circle or you want to make a note by. If you don't have your Bible with you, turn to YouVersion, the Bible app. You can download that from the App Store. Um, It's got it in every language under the sun. Um, And again, you can make notes and highlight bits there. So Luke chapter 15, I'll read it and then we'll, we'll dig in. It says this. Now the tax collectors... And sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now, just a quick note on that before we go on. So tax collectors, um, if you're kind of thinking like God just has it out for this one particular occupation and he just happened to pick tax collectors. That's not, that's not why, why it is. But actually, you know, at the time, tax collectors were known for being slimy, for being scheming, for like greedy, selfish. They weren't nice people. And so if you were a tax collector, you, you kind of, you had this reputation of, about you that you weren't a nice person because normally what they would do is they would go and instead of just taking the 10 pounds that you owed the king they would say actually no you owed 12 pounds 
And so then they take £10 for the king and they pocket £2 for themselves. And so this is what tax collectors did and everyone knew this. And so that's why it's saying the tax collectors. So if you are a tax collector here, don't worry. I'm sure you don't do that. I'm sure you're perfectly legal and everything like that. But at the time, these are bad guys. Okay. So now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And that's Jesus is the him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus turns to them and told them this parable. He said, what man of you, having 100 sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Hey, rejoice with me, because I've found my sheep that was lost. Just so, Jesus said, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who need no repentance. And this is where I want to start this morning, is that God's love is for every one. God's love is for every one. God's love is for every one. Now let that first part, I'm just going to go back to the beginning of that passage again. I'm just going to let that sink in because this struck me deeply and I, and I couldn't really pass this without talking about it. I'll read it out again. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him and the Pharisees and the scribes, the people that... that you know, thought they were doing everything right and were meeting all of God's requirements and stuff. They were the ones that sat back grumbling, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now notice that it's never the sinners and the people that do wrong when we read the Gospels. It's never them that need convincing of Jesus' love. In fact, most of the time, it's the people that are kind of on the outsides, the people that think they've got it all together, that are the ones that need, need convincing. The onlookers, the spectators. So you see, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. So Jesus was there, and they were coming to him. So where religious people felt that these guys should have been excluded, Jesus was drawing them in. It reminds me a lot of like, um, you know, you know in wintertime when you leave the bathroom light on and the window open, and you come in after an hour and there's loads of light, lights around it, <laughs> loads of flies around it, because they're just attracted to the light. They can't help but, but be drawn in. And that's what we see happening here. We've got sinners and tax collectors that, that the rest of the society are labeling them saying, this is who you are, this is what you're about, and they're drawn to Jesus. They're drawn to him. I love the way it puts that. They're drawn to Jesus. See, one of the main reasons that I think Jesus includes this and that we see this is not because necessarily we've got two groups of people where one group has a lot more sin in them and the other group has like no sin in them. And that's the distinguishment. No, I don't think that's it. I think instead it's that we've got one group that's distinctly aware of the fact that they are sinners and one group over here that is in complete de denial about the fact that they're a sinner. These guys over here knew it. Everybody's telling them that they're a sinner. They know how bad they are. And so as soon as they see somebody that's got love in their eyes, who's telling them all about how they can have life and life to the full, how can they not be drawn towards him? Where the rest of these guys over here who feel that they've got it all together say, I don't need it. I don't need it. 
And in fact, why is he welcoming these people? They're the worst of the worst. That's the tax collector that stole my two pounds. That's that sinner that I saw going and doing unquestionable things out there. And this Jesus is going to draw them in and spend time with them? No, I don't like it. But they drew near to Jesus. You see, it made me, it reminded me of when you're sick and you have medicine. You see, you only take medicine once you know that you're sick. Isn't that right? You see, if you think that, you've, if you think that you're perfectly well, if you think that you're healthy, you don't take the medicine, do you? It's only at the moment when you know that you're sick, you know that you're in need of something, that then you come and you take that medicine. And these guys knew that they were in desperate need of something that this world could not offer them, and so they drew near to Jesus. See, big difference between these two. And so Jesus then tells the Pharisees and the scribes this picture of love. This love in this parable that will find and will search and will seek out everyone else that thinks they are too far from God's reach. And that's where he tells the story. And again, in fact, if you read the Gospels and you read the the history, you see like so many times whenever Jesus comes into contact with people, we see the same thing happen. That contact with Jesus, who again is so full of love, means that your life is going to change as a result. Think of Jesus on the cross. When he died on the cross, there were two people either side of him, both of whom had made a mess of their lives. They'd lived it for themselves. They'd, They'd you know, hurt probably lots of people around them and now we're being held up as examples of people that had done wrong to be crucified and one of them turned to Jesus to laugh and to sneer. The other one in that moment turns, looks at Jesus, sees love in his eyes and simply says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. That's all he had to do. And Jesus turned and he said, I tell you today, you're going to be with me in paradise. His life changed in a moment, changed by love. Maybe you know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a shocking tax collector. Um, And Zacchaeus was, you know, he was in town and and Jesus came and there was crowds and crowds of people. And Jesus looked past everybody and he found him, called Zacchaeus by name. He looked through the crowd, looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm coming to your house today. You see, Jesus looks for the one. He sees the one. And his love is for every one. Every one. There's hundreds and hundreds of people that come into contact with Jesus and now their lives completely transformed by this love. And even now, you see, God has children. He's got teenagers and adults all across this world waiting to be changed and have their lives changed by him. They don't know it yet. They may feel far from him right now, but he's got a target over their head and he is, he is going to get them. Because he loves them. You see, going back to the story, we have this, again, this shepherd. The shepherd that, care, uh, that cares deeply for every one of his sheep. Every one of his sheep. No matter how far that sheep may feel, no matter what traps, you know, had that sheep in place so that he couldn't get out on his own. Even when the sheep was as far away as it could possibly be in the darkest of dark places when night had had come and the sheep was all alone, the shepherd was coming. He was coming for him. I mean, imagine what was going through the sheep's head as he's crying out saying, I can't see this shepherd anywhere. I was once with the shepherd. I can't see him anywhere. There's no one here. 
I'm down in this ditch and, and, and I'm, how am I ever going to get out of this? How is anybody ever going to find me? Because it's so dark, I can't see a way out of here. How have I got any hope of getting out of this place? But as we see in the story, the shepherd was coming. The shepherd was, he knew that this one was there and he was coming for the one because he loved the one. Whatever excuses the sheep would have had in its head, it didn't, it didn't make a difference because the shepherd was coming. The shepherd knew where it was and was coming, coming for him. And so you see, in communicating this, in communicating for us the heart of the shepherd and, and showing us what, what the, you know, the actions of the shepherds, Jesus tells us something that is very, very true about even the heart of God. That no matter how lost, how broken, how unreachable, you might feel that you are. You might say, well, I'm not just two out of 10, Josh. I'm nine out of 10 lost. I'm like completely lost. I'm, I am completely unreachable. Jesus says there is nobody too far from God for him to reach. There is nobody too far because he loves every one. That means that for the man here today whose mind is completely clouded with darkness, thoughts going through your head. You don't feel any kind of like hope in life. It means that his love is for you. It means that for the woman or lady this morning that's here and feels just completely inadequate, maybe even in her own value or self-worth, it means that his love is for you. It means that for the young person, the teenager here this morning who is battling with anxiety and depression and they can't seem to find a way to kind of get out of that place, his love is for you. For the person here caught in cycle after cycle of addiction, and no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try and you put in all of your effort, you can't seem to get out of that cycle because you're continually falling back in the same place and you've just written yourself off. You're saying, this is just who I am because I don't, I don't have a hope of getting out of this place. God's love is for you this morning. For the person that is here and feels that they just can't do it anymore, They've given up all hope of being found, of being changed, and you just want to give up. His love is for you. See, no matter how like, far and lost, no matter how broken you feel, God's love is for you. It's for every one of us, every one of us. There was a song that I used to sing in primary school, and I don't know if um, maybe you've heard this song before. If you do know it, sing, it, sing along with me. Um, and it goes like this. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 Beautiful, guys. <laughs> really nice. See, that song has stuck with me. It has stuck with me. Shapes most of my theology, to be honest. Like, comes from that song. But it's true that actually, when you're dealing with a God that holds the whole world in his hands, you can never be too far from his reach. Isn't that true? People, NKCC, whoever you are, if 
it's your first time here, if you've been coming for 10 years, you are never too far from God's reach when he is holding the whole world in his hands. And he does. You're never too far from him. His love is for everyone. And this is for you today. So my, my last point really is that God's love is audacious. It's audacious. God's love is, is passionate. It's like, it's, it's, it's fiery. It's like, it, it works hard. It gives everything. God's love is audacious. And we can't miss this morning. I don't want you to leave this morning without knowing how God really feels about you. What's going on deep in God's heart towards you. Because his love for you is extravagant and it's huge. You can't even number it. It's massive. And so actually, even in the parable, when we looked at it, half of the story is all about the shepherd's joy for finding his sheep. And I think Jesus says that because he's communicating again the heart of God towards us, that when he finds somebody that was lost and brings them back, that brings him so much joy. Puts the sheep on his shoulder and goes home rejoicing, calling everyone to celebrate because this sheep that was lost is now found. And he says the same for you. He's not simply doing this to get his sheep back because it's his job, but he's doing it because he's driven by something deep inside the heart of who God is. That's that God is love. Again, when we understand the motivation the actions take on new meaning. So when we see that God does this and we see that it's driven by love, we get to understand it a little bit more. It makes sense. This isn't any ordinary kind of love. Now, I'm just going to hand over to Bob Goff. He's going to tell us another incredible story and it's going to help us to understand a little bit. So watch the screens. I love, um, I love that line where he said, are we missing the fact that God is nuts about us? Um, it's so great. So God's love, like I said, is, is audacious. It's incredible. And he is, even now, just wanting to express and just show you how he feels about you, what you mean to him. He's driven by something Deep in who the heart of who God is, is love. As he expresses that, he just wants to take you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. He wants you to live in that love. If you're ever doubting what God feels about you, it's just like two verses. In Zechariah, he actually says that he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. You're the apple of God's eye. Psalm 139, when he's talking about the vast sum of God's thoughts, he says, wow, how great are your thoughts towards me. If I was to count all of the thoughts that you have about me, they would be more than the grains of sand of the earth. God is madly in love with you. He's passionate about you. He's excited about you. And he doesn't want you to leave this morning not knowing that. I want you to walk every single day in the knowledge of his love, that that would be the foundation, that would be the thing that you build your life upon. 
I just want to share, a, there was a song that was going around in my, in my mind because love is a powerful thing and, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the message but it's a song that just couldn't get out of my head while I was preparing for this and so I thought I'd share it with you so that maybe you might be encouraged by it as well. And maybe some of you know this, I'll just read the start of the first verse. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. And the chorus just says, I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Which goes over and over. I could sing of your love forever. Maybe this morning you need to be reminded of that. Maybe this morning you need to accept that for the first time. You've got to understand, you're never too lost, you're never too broken, you're never too far from God. His love is relentless. It won't stop until it's got you. So I'm just bow, bow your heads with me and I'm just going to pray. I pray if there if that is you if you're here and actually you've you you feel a bit like that that sheep that was out in the wilderness lost maybe you need to accept accept the fact that God loves you he already loves you now but you're going to accept it If that's you, then as we pray, just, just cry out to God. Just pray to him. Just say, God, I, just, I want you to fill my life. Thank you that you love me. Father God, thank you again that, as the song said, over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. Your river runs with love for me. And that's a river that will not dry out, that will continually flow, just like your love does for me, for us, for every one of us. Thank you so much for your love. Help us to build our life on that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys... If you, if you did pray that, and maybe for the first time, if you were like, you prayed for God's love to fill your heart, we've got people here to my left and my right that would love to just talk to you, love to pray with you. Other than that, guys, have a fantastic week, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you.